Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends, and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. Alhamdulillah, tonight we will be starting the fiqh of fasting. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that can reach the month of Ramadan. And inshallah tonight we will be looking, we will be using a book known as Bulugh Al-Maram. And Bulugh Al-Maram was originally written and compiled in the 8th century by the great scholar Imam Al-Hafidh Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani. So his full name was Abu Al-Fadl Shihabuddin Ahmad <coughs> Ibn Al bin Muhammad bin Muhammad bin Ahmad Aykinani Ash-Shafi'i Ibn Hajr Al-Asqalani He was born on the 10th of Sha'ban in the year 773 in Egypt and he passed away after the Isha Salah on a Saturday the 8th of the Hijjah the year 852 May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him Generously. So about the book. The ahadith are mostly from the six authentic hadith compilations. Namely, Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, An-Nasai, Ahmad, and At-Tirmidhi. The book consists of 1,480 ahadith. He compiled the book according to the chapters of fiqh, starting with the book of purification and ending with the book known as Kitabul Jami'ah, right? known as the comprehensive book. And the Kitabul Jami'ah is basically the chapters that deals with raqa'iq, deals with how to deal with people, etc. And bi'idnillahi ta'ala we will be studying the chapter with a book on fasting and I've just taken out a piece from the introduction which is something important that we need to know and Ibn Hajar he says I have indicated at the end of every hadith the imam who collected it so for example he narrates a hadith as we will see and then he says Rawal Muslim Rawal Bukhari Tirmidhi Ahmad, etc. And he says, in order to be honest to the Muslim Ummah, therefore, he says, As-Saba'ah, right, the number seven, stands for Ahmad, Al-Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, An-Nasai, Tirmidhi, and Ibn Majah. As-Sitta, six, stands for the rest, excluding Imam Ahmad. So the six books of hadith excluding Ahmad. And he says that Al-Khamsa 5 
stands for the rest except Al-Bukhari and Muslim. So, if he says five, and we will see this in one of the hadith tonight. So he says that, narrated by the five, so he excludes Bukhari and Muslim and he includes Imam Ahmad. And then he says that Al-Arba'ah, the four, and Ahmad. I mean by Al-Arba'ah, the four, all except the first three, Ahmad, Bukhari, and Muslim. So he excludes Ahmad, he excludes Bukhari, he excludes Imam Muslim when he speaks about four. And by Al-Thalatha, yani three, I mean all except the first three and the last one. I mean by Al-Muttafaqun Alayh, agreed upon. And I think all of us here, alhamdulillah, we know what it means when he says agreed upon. And I might not mention with him anyone else and whatever is besides these seven collectors is clear, meaning that he will mention them by name. So if he brings a hadith from Tabarani, he brings a hadith from Hakim, he will mention this. He will say that, Rawahu Tabarani or Rawahu Al-Hakim. So moving straight into Ramadan, what is the definition of fasting? And the literal meaning of fasting psalm is to restrain oneself from something. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, فَكُونِي إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ سَوْمَ That say, or verily, I have vowed a fast unto the most beneficent. Right? Who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I don't know why it's not working. So Alhamdulillah, okay, it's working now, I suppose. Is it working? Right, Alhamdulillah, everyone can see. So the definition of fasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, فَكُولِ إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ Soma, that say, indeed, I have vowed a fast unto the most beneficent. Who is saying this? This was Maryam alayhi salatu wassalam. So she is saying that she is not going to speak to people. She is going to remain silent. And the technical meaning, what does the word so mean in Ramadan or in the Sharia? Afwan. The technical meaning is to abstain from all those things that are forbidden during the time of fasting which is from the break of dawn to the sunset and to do this with the intention of fasting.
fasting in the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kutiba alaykum usiyam kama kutiba ala alladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattakun. That, O oh, you who believe, and the Sahaba they would say, that whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses and he says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. So now we know we have two types of verses in the Quran. The one verse Allah says, Ya ayyuhannas, speaking to the whole of humanity. And here Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. O oh, you who believe, addressing who? The believers, all of us. So, O oh, you who believe, fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed to those before us. Meaning that the nations before us, what did they do? They fasted as well. Maybe a different type of fast, but they fasted. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّكُونَ This is the purpose of your fast. That you may gain taqwa. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, بُنِيَ الْإِسْلَامَ عَلَى خَمْسِ That Islam is built on five things. تَشْهَرُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَإِقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ Right? And the hadith carries on, speaks about hajj. But we just want to stop that the Prophet wasallam he said that Islam is to testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And that Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the messenger of Allah. And to establish the prayer, to give charity, right? If you are by the means to pay your zakah and you are eligible for zakah, then you will need to pay your zakah. And you need to fast in the month of Ramadan. And then the last one is that you need to go on hajj if you are by the means. The benefits of fasting. Piety and righteousness. Discipline. Renewal of a devotional life. Renewal of contact with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an. Allah says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ That the month of Ramadan is that month in which the Qur'an was sent down to mankind. The renewal of identity with the Ummah. Ramadan, it brings what? A sense of unity. It brings the Ummah together. A renewed sense of care and sympathy. What happens in Ramadan? Neighbors are sharing food. People are sharing food with the poor, etc. Striving, challenging and a struggle. This is what Ramadan is also all about. You're going to be tired in Ramadan. You're going to have early mornings. You're going to have late nights in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Ramadan, it teaches us sabr, it teaches us patience as well. Right, so we're moving straight into the first hadith. An Abi Urayrata radiyallahu anhu qala, qala Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la taqaddamu Ramadan bisawmin yawmin wala yawmain, illa rajulun kana yasumu sawman fal yasumhu muttafakun alayhi. Abu Huraira, 
He narrated that the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, None of you should fast a day or two before the beginning of the month of Ramadan, unless it is a day on which one is in the habit of fasting. Right? We will explain this as the Hadith Muz'an. Meaning is voluntary fasting that coincides with that day. Muttafakun alayh. Agreed upon. So in which two books will you find this hadith? Muslim and? Bukhari. Right? Bukhari and Muslim. So this hadith proves that it is prohibited to fast before the establishing of the start of Ramadan by a day or two. So it is la yajuz. It is prohibited. One is not allowed to fast a day or two before Ramadan is established. Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin rahimallahu ta'ala said in his commentary on the hadith to not anticipate Ramadan by fasting one or two days before it begins. The scholars, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on them. They differed concerning this prohibition and whether it meant that this is haram or makru. So in Islam, right, we have certain rules. And these certain rules, as certain conditions or should I rather say it has certain rulings about them what will be the hukum the ruling at the end of it so something can either be wajib it can either be compulsory something can either be haram it can be prohibited something can either be mustahab can be what is mustahab Right? Highly recommended. Something can be makruh. What is makruhun? Anyone? Right? Yes, undesirable or disliked. Now, with makruh, right, you find that the ahnaf, the hanafiya, or the hanafi madhab, They have something which is known as makru tahrimi and makru tanzihi. So they have something where they divide makru into two. So they say that a makru thing can lead to that thing becoming haram. None of the other madaib has this opinion. So he says that the correct view is that it means that it is haram. Haram to fast one or two days before the establishing or before the start of the month of Ramadan. And he says, especially on the day of doubt. In Arabic known as Yawmushak. So what is Yawmushak? Yawmushak is for example they go sight the moon it's overcast they're not sure if the moon is there or not it's raining 
Right? There's a possibility the moon could be there. But they can't see the moon. So this become Yomu? Shak, the day of doubt. So can you fast on this day, yes or no? You cannot fast. Then the hadith carries on and says, إِلَّا رَجُلٌ كَانَ يَصُومُ سَوْمًا فَلْيَصُومْهُ Unless it is a day on which one is in the habit of fasting. So, alhamdulillah, you find the brother or the sister, she fasts on a Monday and she fasts on a Thursday. Obviously here, you cannot say the 13th, 14th and 15th. Why? <laughs> because right, it needs to be at the end of the month. So it can never be the 13th, the 14th or the 15th. So it's either someone that fasts on a Monday or a Thursday. So if this person fasts every single day throughout the year on a Monday and a Thursday or they fast <coughs> like the fast of Dawood what was the fast of Dawood salam? Fast one day and skip a day. Fast a day, skip a day. Fast a day, skip a day. So if it's that is his habit or her habit as well comes on this day then they are allowed to fast. Or a person made a vow I'm going to go write an exam and if I pass this exam I'm going to fast. So the day I get my result, the next day I'm going to fast. Got the result on the 27th of which month? The Islamic month. Which month? Shaban. Shaban. What? Shaban. Shaban. What comes before Ramadan? Hmm? As we play that nasheed, right? That's with the children. <laughs> right? So, Shaban comes before Ramadan. And what comes after Ramadan? Shawah. Right, these are three important months that has to do with Ramadan. The month before Ramadan, the month of Ramadan, and the month after Ramadan. So Shaban. Right? And it happened to be on the 27th or on the 28th, so now they need to fast. So they will have to fast. Or someone <laughs> owes a compulsory fast. They are allowed to fast on these Days. They are the exception to the rule. So we have a rule and we have an exception to the rule. What is the wisdom behind this? Number one, to differentiate between the fast of Ramadan and the Nawafil fast. The hadith regarding Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, where he says that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when Sha'ban is half over, meaning half of the month of Sha'ban is completed. So now we're on to the 15th or the 16th rather of Sha'ban. He says, do not fast. This hadith was classed Sahih by Sheikh Albani in, he, right, in his classification of the Jami of Imam At-Tirmidhi. We're not going to go into the discussion here because... Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, he has a separate chapter which deals with fasting on the second half of or after the second half of Sha'ban. So we're not going to go into too much detail under this hadith. 
The next hadith. An Ammar ibn Yasin radiyallahu anhu qal Man sama al-yawma al-ladhi yushakku fihi faqad asa abal qasim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa dhakarahu al-bukhari ta'liqan wa wasalahu al-khamsa wa sahahahu ibn khuzayma wa ibn hibban Ammar bin Yasir Anyone heard this name before? Ammar bin Yasir May Allah be pleased with him who was Ammar bin Yasir? Anyone? <laughs> whoever fasts, he says that whoever, that the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whoever fasts the day of doubt, he has then disobeyed Abu or Abal Qasim, which is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This hadith is narrated by the five imams. Who is the five imams? <laughs> Sorry? The five imams are who? Yes, right, I mentioned it at the start of the class. So we exclude Bukhari, we exclude Muslim. So it's the, right, the Ashabu Sunan Al-Arba'ah. Imam At-Tirmidhi, An-Nasai, Abu Dawood, and there's one more, Ibn Majah. Right, that is the four, Ashabu Sunan. Then he added the fifth one, was the Musnad of Ahmad. So this, whenever we're going to see now, coming in the book, narrated by the five, then it's referring to these five books of Hadith. Then he adds, remember, he also said at the end of the introduction that I read, that snippet, he said that if I narrate from anyone else, I will mention their names specifically. And we see here, Imam Ibn Khuzayma and Ibn Hibban created this hadith as Sahih, authentic. So here we see, it is not permissible to fast on the day of <coughs> doubt. This is disobedience to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The meaning of the day of doubt is the 30th of Sha'ban. And here I would like to pause for a moment. Right? In the Hanbali Madhab, right? in which Madhab? The Hanbali Madhab. How many Madhaib are there? Four. I want two Madhaib from the sisters and two from the brothers. From the sisters. Now. Did they answer? I can't hear. Did they answer? Hey? Uncle Gulam, can you hear? <laughs> what they say? Maliki and? Maliki and Shafi'i. Right? And from the brothers? Two. Right? The Hanbali Madhab and the? Which one? You said both. Right? Abu Hanifa Hanafi. Now, 
I would like to just explain something here. That the way we will be teaching or the manhaj that we will be following is that of Ahlu Hadith. Where we bring you the hadith, we read the hadith, we explain the hadith, and we give sharh of the hadith. I will obviously also say that when we bring the view, we will say that this is the view of this mother, and that's the view of that mother. However, we will be teaching the way of Ahlu Hadith, and that is to say, what is the preponderant view? Kul Rajih. And this is the view that we take or we follow. Having said that as well, I would like to just add on that when we say that this view is the view of the Hanbalis or it is the view of the Shafi'is or the view of the Hanafis and the view of the Malikis, this is not specifically the view of Imam Abu Hanifa or Imam Ash-Shafi'i or Imam Ahmad or Imam Malik. But rather, this is the view of the Madhab. So each Imam they had students. And so the Imam he had students. The Imam passes away. The students carried the Madhab over. They had students. The Madhab they developed. And as they developed, maybe their views changed as well in the Madhab. And it might be a different view to that of the Imam of the Madhab. Need to understand that. Then another point. Were these four schools the only four schools of thought with regards to fiqh? No. Right? There were other there were many, many Imams as well. For example, Imam Al Bukhari. Imam Al Bukhari is famous for what? For hadith. But they say to know the fiqh of Imam Al Bukhari. Where do you look? I've mentioned this before. <laughs> right? Remember I said that in the Sahih of Imam Al-Bukhari, you will find that the Imam, he has chapter headings. Right? So he has Bab or Kitabul Badi Wahi. Right? For example, the book on how the Wahi started. And the first hadith in that, in his book is, إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ So like that, they say that you will look, you want to know the fiqh of Imam al-Bukhari, look at his chapter headings, because sometimes he will explain what his view is in the chapter heading before he brings the hadith. And like that, you had the madhab of Sufyan al-Thawri. You had the madhab or the views of Abdullah ibn Mubarak. So different ulama also had different madhaib. But these four madhaib are commonly known to the masses of the Muslim world. And what I want to add here, under the point of the meaning of the day of doubt is the 30th of Sha'ban. Right? This is the day of doubt. Because I went to go sight the moon the night before. Correct? It was cloudy and this and that. So the next day became the day, Yawmushak. Now there is a view in the Hanbali Madhab, which is a weak view. But it is a view. And the ulama, they all 
add this in the books. So they say in the Hanbali Madhab they have a view where they say that for example on the 30th of Sha'ban right, is Yawm Shak. So majority of the ulama say you don't fast. They fast on that day out of precaution. Because to them they say that it was cloudy. It was stormy. There's a possibility that the moon could be there. So they say 29 days and some of them Right? You don't find this today. So for example, in Saudi Arabia, right? they are governed by the Hanbali Madhab or they use the Hanbali Madhab in the court system, etc. They use this. They don't practice this. So that's why I'm saying it is a small view in the Madhab, but people, they do discuss it and that's why I felt that it should be mentioned as well. The next important topic, sighting of the moon for Ramadan and Eid. An Ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhuma qala, samirtu Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yakul, idha ra'aytumuhu fasumu, wa idha ra'aytumuhu faaftiru, fa'in gumma alaykum faqdiru lahu muttafakun alayhi, walim muslim, fa'in uhmiya alaykum faqduru. وللبخاري فأكمل العدة ثلاثين ابن عمر he was the son of who? of عمر رضي الله عنه what was his name? what was عمر's son's name? of what? عبد الله so he narrated that I heard the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, start fasting after you have seen it. Seen what? The new moon, right? The crescent. And end the fast at the end of the month. Right? I just added that in brackets to make it easy. Because sometimes someone might think, okay, end the fast, that's a day, we must break our fast. No. But at the end of the month, again, when you see the moon, if it is overcast and cannot be seen, then estimate its sighting. Meaning, presume that Sha'aban would last for 30 days. Agreed upon. Muttafakun alay. Imam Muslim narrates, if it is too overcast to be seen, then presume that it, Sha'aban, lasted for 30 days. In another narration, Imam al-Bukhari. He said, wait until 30 days of it, meaning of Sha'aban, has passed. Right? A side note. Why does he add that Muslim narrated and Bukhari narrated? So, when Ibn Umar says that the Prophet wasallam said, and I read you the hadith, both of them have that exact wording in their books. But then Imam Muslim, he adds on the piece that says Imam Muslim said. And Imam Al-Bukhari, he adds on. And Imam Al-Bukhari, he adds on as well the piece that says in another narration by Imam Al-Bukhari. So here my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, 
what this hadith is teaching us or what the hadith is explaining to us that we must fast when the moon is sighted and we end the month of Ramadan when the moon is sighted for shawal right simple there's not a lot of rocket science that we need to understand the shari'i method of proving that the new month has begun is for the people to sight the crescent of the moon. Right? Meaning they must sight the crescent. That should be done by people whose religious commitment and strong eyesight are to be trusted. Of what? Mankaikas. If they sight it, then it is wajib to act upon this sighting by fasting if it is the new month for the, or the new moon afwan for the month of Ramadan and by breaking the fast if it is the new month for the month or the new moon for the month of Shawwal so that will be the first of Shawwal is what day? first of Shawwal the day of what? the day of Eid right, the next important point it is not permissible la yajuz to rely on astronomical calculations if the moon is not sighted but if there is a sighting even if it is done by an astronomical observatory then it counts because of the general meaning of the words of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when you see it, then fast. And when you see it, then break the fast. With regards to calculations, then this is laya Jews. So, Sha'ban starts. The first of Sha'ban. And then you will find already some masajid here, one or two masajid in Cape Town. What do they say? That we will have Ramadan on this day because they calculated. This is what is meant by calculations and this is not allowed. <coughs> because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Sumu li ru'yati wa aftiru li ru'yati. This is an amr, it is a command, go out and go sight the moon. And if it is overcast, if it is cloudy, then you will have a 30 day month and then you will fast the next day. The next mas'ala, Right? This is a mas'ala that obviously never existed in those years, but something that which is common today. Are we allowed to use a telescope to sight the moon, or are we not? So there is nothing wrong with using a telescope, but it is not necessary, because the apparent meaning of the sunnah is that we should rely on ordinary sighting and not anything else. But if it is used and the moon is sighted by a trustworthy person, then the sighting may be acted upon. In the past, the people used that because they used, right? They would climb where? Upon the minarets on the night of the 30th of Sha'ban and the night before the 30th of Ramadan and look for it by means of a telescope. So there's nothing wrong. If you use a telescope, it is obviously better to go and look with a naked eye. 
But if you are using a telescope, right, or people have sighted the moon, don't criticize them. Don't say, ah, you know what, you people are Dal and Mudil and you are astray and the people in these particular countries that use telescopes and why must they use telescopes and that? At the end of the day, it is permissible. Whatever the case, once it has been proven that it has been cited by any means, then it becomes wajib to act upon the citing because of the general meaning of the words of the Prophet ﷺ. When you see it, then fast. And when you see it, then break the fast. And this is narrated, this was a fatwa given by Sheikh Muhammad ibn Uthaymeen, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower him with his mercy. And this is found in the Fatawa Ulama al-Balad al-Haram. The next chapter, right, the report of one witness is sufficient for Ramadan to begin. So the chapter headings that I'm reading to you is not the chapter headings put by even Hajar himself, but rather the ulama that explained the books. And the explanation that I'm using is the explanation of or known as Minhatul Allam. So the report of one witness is sufficient for Ramadan to begin. وعن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال ترى الناس الهلال فأخبرت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أني رأيته فصام وأمر الناس بصيامه رواه أبو داود وصحه ابن حبان والحاكم ابن عمر he narrated the messenger or the people were trying to sight the moon of Ramadan and when I reported to the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, that I had seen it, he fasted and he commanded the people to fast. So how many people came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? It's one, because he said I reported to the messenger. So it's one person. This hadith is found in Abu Dawud and Al Hakim and Ibn Hibban graded this hadith as. Sahih. The next hadith, An Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, anna a'rabiyan jaa ila al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqal, inni ra'aytu al-hilala faqala, atashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah, qala na'am, qala, atashhadu anna muhammadan rasulullah, qala na'am, qala, fa'adhin fi al-nas ya Bilal, أي يصوموا غدا رواه الخمسة وصحه ابن خزيمة وابن حبان ورجح النساء إرساله ابن عباس he narrated that a Bedouin in Arabic or in Islam right they say a Badu right and anyone or someone know or can give me an example or a definition of a Bedouin. Of what? Yes, no, I'm saying in English, what what type of person generally will a Bedouin be? From a village. And they were very? Like? Who said? I heard the word here. 
primitive, okay? Right? They had no... Like they would just come out, they would just speak. They had no filter, etc. So a Bedouin, he came to the Prophet wasallam and he said, I have cited the crescent of Ramadan. He said to him, right, this is now the Prophet wasallam. do you testify that there is none worthy of worship but Allah? The Bedouin said yes. He asked him again, do you testify that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah? The man said yes. The Prophet wasallam. Thereupon he said, O Bilal, he said, Ya Bilal, Adhin, he said, not make adhan, but rather announce to the people now. What must you announce? That tomorrow you are going to start fasting. It's related by the five imams, Ibn Khuzayma and Ibn Hibban graded it as Sahih. An-Nasai, he said that this hadith is probably Mursal. A Mursal hadith is a hadith in which the link between the tabi'i and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is missing. Who is the link between the Prophet and a tabi'i? So who is missing? A sahabi. Right? So this is a known as a hadith mursal. <laughs> so the tabi'i himself, he will say, قَالَ النَّبِيُّ sallallahu alayhi wasallam but he's actually supposed to say that, for example, just say it's Abu Huraira, right? That he heard it from. So he's supposed to say, An Abi Huraira, Anin Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But he just says, An Rasulillah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And many of the ulama they say that the Mursal Hadith or Mursal as Sahabi is accepted. We accept that if a Mursal hadith comes from a Sahabi, meaning they were two companions, and a third companion walks in. Right? So let's make it a bit easier for you to understand. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is sitting here, and Abu Huraira is sitting, and Umar walks in. May Allah be pleased with all of them. So what happens? They narrate to him a hadith. So what does Umar radiallahu anhu say? He says that I heard the Prophet say, or the Prophet did this and that. We will accept this hadith because all the ulama are unanimous that the companions of Muhammad وسلم, they won't lie. But if a tabi'i comes, then we have to look at the hadith in more detail. So according to this hadith, it is permissible to accept the testimony of one person for the commencement of Ramadan. So one person comes to the Hakim, to the judge, to the Muslim ruler, and he says, I cited the moon, and they, they can accept it on the testimony of one person. A Muslim male or female, Umar, his son, right, who makes it Abdullah ibn Umar. Ali radiallahu an they all held this view as well as a the preponderant view in the Hanbali madhab and is sahih according to the Shafi'i school as well so Sayyidina Umar his son Abdullah Ali radiallahu an of the companions they accepted this view that one person can give testimony and that's fine also, it is a main view or a famous view in the Hanbali Madhab. 
as well as according to the Shafi'i school of thought. The second opinion says that there must be two witnesses. How many? Two. And this is the view of Uthman radiallahu an. This is the view of Imam Malik. And this was the view of Layth as well. And they based this on the following hadith. It was narrated that Abdul Rahman ibn Zayd ibn al-Khattab addressed the people on the day concerning which there was doubt, Yawmushak, as to whether the month had begun, and said, I sat with the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and I asked them, and they, and they narrated that the messenger, peace be upon him, said, fast when you see it, and stop when you see it, and perform the rites on that basis, if it is obscured, then complete 30 days, and if two witnesses, so this is the shahid of the hadith, this is the istidlal, this is where they take the proof from this hadith at the end here. And if two witnesses testify, then fast and stop fasting. Sunan al-Nasai. According to Kaul Raji, the preponderant view is that one witness suffices as the hadith of Ibn Umar is clear. As for the end of Ramadan and the sighting of the new moon for Shawwal, then two witnesses is needed according to majority of the ulama. Second opinion is who said that one upright witness is sufficient. This is Abi Thawr, Ibn Hazm, some of Ahlu Hadith, Imam Ash-Shawkani and Sana'ani. It is mustahab to go sight the moon on the evening of the 30th. The night comes before the Day. When does the night come? Before the day. The one who sighted the moon must inform who? The Muslim leader, the Imam or the judges. We don't have that here. Right? There's no Muslim, obviously, there's no... When we mean Muslim leader, president of the country or the king of the country, right? the Amir of the country, we don't have that. We don't live in a Muslim country. Right? Or they will go to... So, for example, what happens in Saudi Arabia? What about the, what about the, um, the president of the Muslim Yes, what about that? Uh, As a? As one of the leaders. Okay, I will explain that now. When the ulama of the past, when they wrote in their books or when they speak about Muslim leader, then they speak in about the Amir of a country. Right? So this is what is meant by Muslim leader. Then we say the Imam. So here the Imam can be your body that you're speaking about. Right? So there will be a group of bodies. So they most probably what happens is that their leader will say that we have sighted the moon or people will go to them. But also in a country like this, you don't need right, the people to go to them specifically. Because there are so many different organizations. There are so many different bodies. So for example, the Western Cape has one body. 
Johannesburg, or up north, they have another body. Durban and those places, they have another body. So sometimes what you find, that here they're still looking. But they had iftar maybe an hour before us. So they already sighted the moon. So, right, so their bodies are already going to say that the moon was sighted. So it doesn't have to be in that we need to wait for our imam. Or the judges. So for example, what happens in Muslim countries today, is that the people will go out, they will go sight the moon. Where do they go to? They're obviously not going to go to the president. They go to the courts. So they go to the court and they inform the judge and the judge will correspond with other judges and that is how they would take it that it's either Eid tomorrow or the start of Ramadan. There's a mas'ala here. If somebody sees the moon for Ramadan, so someone he sees the moon for Ramadan, and his view gets rejected. Some of the scholars says that he must fast. So someone comes, he saw the moon. But they say, no, sorry, you, maybe your eye is not that good. And we don't think you saw. But he said, no, I saw the moon. So some of the ulama says that for him, he must fast the next day. But as for the other people, no. Ahmad, Imam Ahmad and Ibn Taymiyyah says that he mustn't fast if his view is rejected. Because he must be with the majority of the people. So they rejected your view? Sorry. And this seems to be the most correct opinion. If he sees the moon for shawal and it is rejected, then he must not have Eid. Right? Understood? If he sees the moon for shawal and it is rejected, then he cannot have Eid. This is the view of Imam Ahmad now. This is the view of the Hanafiya and the Malikiya. The Shafi'iya and Ibn Hazm, he says or they say that he must have Eid in secret. Right? That seems a bit weird. So now he must have Eid alone. And this, right, the Rajiv view, the preponderant view is that he shouldn't have Eid as Eid is a day for the Jama'ah. It is for the community. It is a day of happiness. It is a day of joy. And rather have a precaution to rather fast. Take this precaution and rather fast. And this brings us also to the end of today's lesson. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us success, to forgive our shortcomings. And bi-idhnillahi ta'ala we will try and do about seven and eight ahadith every week until we finish the chapter before or the book before Ramadan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.